This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. We're going to be looking at that account from Matthew's Gospel that we heard read for us earlier, the account of the resurrection as Matthew tells it. Let's pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you thought this morning that you were coming to church to celebrate the most dangerous idea of all. I don't know if that crossed your mind as you got out of bed and went down to your Easter bunny or whatever it is, a piece of chocolate it is that you've uh, so far indulged in. I don't know if you thought the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was actually uh, thought of it as a dangerous idea. But it is dangerous because if it's true, then it changes everything. Now, every year since 2009, we of the chattering classes here in Sydney have been treated to an event called the Festival of Dangerous Ideas. I don't know if you've heard of this, but the slogan of the festival is, cross the threshold, journey into the uncomfortable, journey into the uncomfortable. The festival features prominent local and international speakers like Germaine Greer, Mark Latham, Tim Flannery, and even Julian Assange, who is now, of course, available for a repeat uh, visit, I believe. And some of the ideas that have been proposed as dangerous at the festival include all women hate each other, Israel is an apartheid state, the devil is real, psychopaths make the world go round, everybody lies, and, quite famously, Religion Poisons Everything, which was the title of a talk given by the famous atheist Christopher Hitchens, whose book was called God is Not Great, subtitle Religion Poisons Everything. Are these dangerous ideas? Well, certainly they might be offensive or controversial ideas. They might make a dinner party uncomfortable if we forget for a moment to talk about real estate prices, international holidays and the high price of school fees. I guess were anyone to take them too seriously, they might have radical or even violent consequences. But in 2013, Christopher Hitchens' brother Peter, himself a well-known journalist, said something really different. He was on a panel that was being broadcast on Q&A, and the panel had all been asked at the end of the evening for one dangerous idea that would change the world for the better, one of the panellists at this stage suggested that abortion be mandatory for everyone for 30 years to reduce the population. When it was Peter Hitchens' turn, he said this, The most dangerous idea in human history and philosophy remains the belief that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and rose from the dead, and that is the most dangerous idea you'll ever encounter. The response of the audience, as you can imagine, was a sort of embarrassed and stunned silence. What could he possibly mean? And is that really a dangerous idea? In Matthew's account of the first Easter day, the thought that Jesus had risen from the dead was clearly an, a dangerous idea. It was a dangerous idea for the guards, it was a dangerous idea for the authorities, and it was a dangerous idea, most of all, for the disciples. It was a dangerous idea for the Roman guards who'd been set to watch over the tomb. 
Now, their presence is a very interesting detail of the story, a historical detail, because this was not a bunch of rather rotund security guards talking into their phones and eating corn chips. The guard knew that to leave their posts was to invite severe discipline, possibly torture and probably death. And they were heavily armed and well-trained professionals. These people knew how to kill people. They knew how to protect something. And they'd been placed around a tomb because the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, had convinced Pilate, the governor, that the disciples were going to steal the body and claim that he had been raised. But somehow, despite the guard, the body of Jesus disappeared. Now let's take a slightly sceptical view here and bracket out Matthew's explanation about the angel and the earthquake. What are we supposed to imagine happened? Why did the guard abandon their posts? Could they have been bribed by the disciples? Well, that's very unlikely. It's just very hard to imagine how the disciples could have cobbled enough cash together to convince the guard to risk certain death by abandoning their posts. Or perhaps could we imagine that the, guard, that the guards were overpowered by an attack of marauding disciples? Well, this, when we think about it for 10 seconds, thinks, seems unlikely as well. We know that Peter, the apostle, had a sword and that he used it on one occasion, and we know that he had a hot temper. But we also knew that he was trembling in fear at this stage. Even had they mounted an attack, why would the guards not have said this to the authorities. And what's more, everyone acknowledges that the first people to the tomb on the Easter day were not the, not the male disciples, but the women. Could the women, are we supposed to imagine that they beat off the Roman guard, broke the seal, and rolled away the enormous stone? That also seems very unlikely. The guard had been placed at the tomb, though, because the authorities thought that Jesus' resurrection was a dangerous idea. It was a dangerous idea for the guards, but it was a dangerous idea for the authorities. The chief priests and the Pharisees, the religious leaders had heard Jesus say, after three days I will rise again. Interestingly, they knew that this idea had to do with Jesus' actual body. He wasn't claiming that he was going to be alive in the disciples' hearts or carried on in their memory. They thought that Jesus was talking about the resurrection of his physical body, and so they had to secure the tomb where his body lay. Now, on any terms, if the disciples could point to an empty tomb and claim that Jesus had risen, it would be impressive. You'd have to agree. And that would mean that their strange Galilean band would look like they had the power of God with them. And that was obviously threatening to the religious leaders in Jerusalem who could see their own authority and control slipping away. But they were also worried because they knew their Bibles well. And they knew that the resurrection of the dead would signal that Jesus was not just an impressive person and very hard to kill, but that he was the Messiah. He was the one. He was the chosen one of Israel's history, the expected one. And if he had been risen from the dead, then all he said about himself was true, that he was now the place where people were to meet God 
that his death was a true and lasting sacrifice for sins and that this moment was the dawning of a new age. The people of God were now to include people from every tribe and every tongue. And if Jesus is raised, then our sins can be forgiven and we can have hope of everlasting life in him. And if this is true, if this is true, then there's no one else we need bother following in life. He's the one who has authority over heaven and earth. He is our guide for life, our teacher. And so the authorities, knowing that this is what it, must, what it would mean if Jesus rose from the dead, if that was the claim, bribed the guards to say that they'd been asleep at their posts and smoothed it over with Pilate and the generals and said, put about the rumour that the disciples stole the body. It was a dangerous idea for the, apostles, for, the, for the authorities. It was a dangerous idea for the guards. But that Jesus stepped out of the tomb on Easter morning was most of all a dangerous idea for the disciples themselves. The disciples, don't forget, had been a shattered band. Apart from the women, they'd abandoned Jesus to his fate. They'd scattered like sheep. They'd heard him teach about rising again, but they seemed not very inclined to believe it. But once Jesus had been raised from the dead, what happened to them? Well, they became a transformed group. This crew of gutless country hicks with not much to call on by way of money or sophistication or power or social standing, within weeks of this event, had started a movement which would conquer the empire of Rome itself, that would change the world, they were preaching boldly in public, risking imprisonment and death. They would take the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the Roman Empire within a few decades. And many of them would happily, readily die for their message. It's the kind of dangerous idea it was. It was. For them, life would never be the same. Jesus had called them to a mountain and given them a mission and when they saw him, there's a very curious detail there, a very significant detail. When they saw him on that mountain, they worshipped him. And we shouldn't miss this. For these monotheistic Jews, for whom worship of only one God is one of the first lessons they ever learn. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is God alone. There is only one God. Saw in Jesus that one God and worshipped him. They did not gather around the stolen corpse of Jesus and worship that as God, as if he were some zombie or some, like some bizarre part of Weekend at Bernie's. They met the very much alive Jesus and bowed down before him. His resurrection meant that he was not just a great teacher, but the Lord of all. As he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. If he is raised then all human authority and power only derives from him. And if he's been raised, then the message about him has an urgency that takes over all else. If Christ is raised, then being his disciple and receiving the washing away of sins that comes in his name and doing what he says is what makes most sense of your life and mine. That night several years ago at Q&A, Tony Jones, the compere, asked Peter Hitchens to explain why he thought the resurrection of Jesus was the most dangerous idea that would change the world for the better. 
And Peter Hitchens said this, because it alters the whole of human behaviour and all our responsibilities, it turns the universe from a meaningless chaos into a designed place in which there is justice and there is hope. And therefore, we all have a duty to discover the nature of that justice and work towards that hope. It alters at us all. If we reject it, it alters us as well. It's incredibly dangerous. It's why so many people turn against it. He's got a point. Which ideas are most likely to be suppressed in Australia at the moment? The sometimes savage and often wild ideas entertained by the festival of dangerous ideas? Or the implications of being a disciple of the risen Lord Jesus Christ? Certainly it's the latter, isn't it? Because the resurrection is not just an abstract theory to be mulled over by the intelligentsia in between sips of their turmeric lattes. If Jesus is alive, then everything is different, including and especially me and you. It means that God is calling us, you and me, to live a different life than the one I'm living now. It means that you and I need to live our lives not our own way, but Jesus' way. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to him, even authority over you, an authority that trumps even your right to determine yourself. We are made to serve him. And that call calls me to stop clinging to the things that I think make my life meaningful and instead cling to me with all my heart and soul and mind to fall down and worship him as the disciples did when they saw that he was very much, gloriously, powerfully and utterly alive. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.